homily for the fifth Sunday in Ordinary Time, February 5th, 2023, St. Mary's Church, Grand Forks. Last Sunday, we introduced what Christians call Jesus' Sermon on the Mount from St. Matthew's Gospel with the Beatitudes. And now for the next several weeks until Lent begins, we will stay with the Lord in this discourse as he unfolds his grand plan for his ministry. What would you suggest was the single most important word in the gospel reading I just proclaimed? May I offer a suggestion that you will probably think is from out and left field? I contend that the most important word is are, A-R-E. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Picture for a moment the kinds of people gathered around Jesus that day. The apostles couldn't have been with him for very long. Many of the other folks may have just met or heard of the Lord, either that same day or a few days before. Therefore, wouldn't it be sensible for Jesus to speak to them in the future tense? Some day down the road you will be the salt of the earth. Just complete this bachelor's degree in theology and you will be the light of the world. No, we are all of these things here and now. What does that mean for us? For one thing, the Lord has high expectations for you and me. The reserve players in a team sport sit on the bench as they await their turn to get into the game. But with Jesus... There is no bench. Those who accept his invitation to follow him are given their marching orders right away. And insofar as we are sharing the love of Christ and not just our own wisdom, what we say comes from the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. What do we learn when we consider these two analogies Jesus used more carefully? First, salt was a much more important commodity back then. Lots of perishable food items, like meats, would be salted heavily to preserve them without the benefit of refrigeration. Because of its multiple uses, salt was often costly and would be bartered as a form of currency. Ships transported salt from mines to places throughout Europe and Asia, and a shortage of this product severely impacted daily life. If salt were to lose its savor, people would toss it out like garbage. But having good salt on hand made all the difference. So must it be with the Christian in his or her local setting. It's no secret that far fewer people take part in organized religion of any kind at present than they did 50 or 100 years ago. It follows that the salt of a disciple of Christ committed to holiness is harder for society to ignore, even if the wind is not at our backs, so to speak. The Beatitudes last Sunday concluded with this pronouncement. Blessed are you when people insult you and hate you and denounce your name as evil because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because your reward will be great in heaven. What kind of salt am I? Is my practice of faith so bland that the world flavors me? For earnest Christians of any denomination, some soul-searching is in order. For example, 
I've been reading some intriguing articles from evangelicals examining the fallout that's been resulting from their endorsement of certain candidates for public office. Their question goes like this. Have we the church been shaping the candidate, or is the candidate shaping us? In other words, with our desire for him or her to sport a pugnacious temperament and mix it up with our political foes, are we failing to persuade them to embrace both public and private conversion of heart? Jesus goes on to assure us that we are the light of the world, which must shine before others and glorify our Heavenly Father. A bushel is a unit of measurement capacity. Think of it as a large container. Fill it to the top with wheat and it comes to 60 pounds. Less dense grains like corn, barley, and oats weigh less. How silly would it be to light a candle, only to cover it with a bushel basket? A bride at her wedding does not wear an oversized floor-length duster over her fancy wedding dress the whole day. Otherwise, what is the point of buying the expensive gown? The saying goes that when it comes to corruption, sunlight is a good disinfectant. I like to use that principle when I speak with penitents in the sacrament of confession. When we open the doors of our hearts and let the light of the Holy Spirit in, it's like we are turning on lights all over the house. If there is any creepy, crawling critter that would prefer to remain in the dark, underneath the bed or in the closet, the light exposes it, and God drags it out kicking and screaming. By his light we see ourselves as we truly are, what needs to be cast out, and we see ourselves as Jesus sees us. We are his brothers and sisters, precious in his eyes and redeemed by his passion and cross. The prophet Isaiah spoke in our first reading of how to authentically be God's people. Earlier in chapter 58 of Isaiah, God harshly rebuked those in Israel who fasted or offered sacrifice only because others were taking notice. Thereafter, they would quickly return to behaving like scoundrels. As Isaiah put it, your fast ends in quarreling and fighting, striking with wicked claw. Our corporal works of mercy, such as clothing the naked and feeding the hungry, are the fruits of living as salt and light in the world. This past Thursday, Bishop Fulda invited people from our region to a listening session hosted by St. Michael's, as we prepare for next year's Diocesan Synod. I am grateful for the parishioners who joined us there with the 90-hundred other people who participated. In small groups, we took up three areas for discussion. What are the things that are going well in our parish and in the diocese? What are the challenges we face in our parish and in the diocese? And lastly, what specific thing is the Holy Spirit calling me to do to respond to these needs? Now, if the agenda that night consisted only of the first two categories, we would have spent all our time patting ourselves on the back and bashing the bishop and priests over the head with a hammer. But ultimately, where would that leave us? The third step of what we individually feel prompted to do 
is both wise and essential. The thought occurred to me that, speaking for myself, pastoral leadership is not substitution. By this I mean that it is not for lay people to come up to me and say, Okay, Father, you be my salt and my light. It can't work that way, going in either direction. We are to encourage and support each other, but as I kneel before Christ, you cannot be my salt and light in my place. When our Lord told us today, You are the salt of the earth and the light of the world, do we believe it? What will it look like when we are confidently salt and light in our families and among this community of faith? Amen.